You're listening to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, episode 310. On the show today, I am going to be chatting with Laura Dre. Yeah, and we have a fun talk, but before then, we got some cool music to listen to, we got some letters to read, and birthdays to do, and all that shit. So how about we get the show started and listen to some cool tunes? I got one here from an artist called Demon. I think that's how you pronounce that. D-E-M-I-N. Do you think it's Demon? No, it's Demon. It's got to be Demon. He was uh, recommended to me by awesome patron Joey Richards, who wrote me this big, long paragraph about how you got to listen to this guy, man, and blah, blah. And I was like, all right. I mean, that was <laughs> the... <laughs> The message said more than just, you gotta listen to this guy, blah blah, but I went and checked out uh, the catalog, and it's good stuff, so let's listen to uh, a track I dug, and uh, it's brought to you, of course, by my awesome Patreon supporters, the kings of the Pattersons, Mr. Chris Dance with the 88, Mr. Mike Shima with the 82, and Mystery Donor... And I hope you guys like this. This is Demon with Bad Actor.
And that was Bad Actor by Demon. Yeah, that's a cool song. Brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. We got a new patron here in the Triple Six Club. Now, how am I meant to read this? Is this ciphered? You know when people put numbers instead of letters? C1PH3RD. And the one is an I and the three is an E. That means that I would like to thank Cyphered for becoming a patron of Beyond Synth. Thank you. You're a cool guy. What is it called when people substitute letters for numbers? There's a word, right? I feel like literally I just read an article where someone said that word. Is it leet? Is that it? I'm not looking it up now. too late. Uh, I got a letter here from DJP Rocks My Heart, which is, uh, of course, one of my cool patrons. He says, How you doing, man? You know, I've been wondering, how come the word chestnut isn't a cool slang for boobs? <laughs> I've got the coolest listeners. Being myself a titties admirer like you, what the fuck is this email? <laughs> I should really vet these before I read them out loud. Being myself a titties admirer like you, I caught myself thinking about this. Maybe that would be a funny topic to throw in a conversation with Mr. Turtle McNabb in the spaceship, no? Cool slangs that could be, but somehow are not a thing. Sorry if I sound presumptuous suggesting stuff out of the blue. What I actually want to say is, I keep loving the show and you rock, man. My favorite talk show host, period. I loved Conan and certainly missed that show. Too bad it's gone. But you top him for sure, man. Beyond synth forever. Well, that's that's high praise. <laughs> Remember back in the day, you know, the mid-90s watching Conan? You know, he does have a podcast, but it's weird because I, I listen to it from time to time. And I find it's a little too structured. I, I kind of wish his podcast was sillier because there's so many podcasts out there now. And I listen to mostly comedy ones myself and uh, science podcasts and stuff. And there are just already so many, like, famous guy starts a podcast and interviews his famous friends. And that's kind of all Conan's show is. It's just another one of those. And it's funny because I like Conan, but it definitely doesn't quite capture the magic of the show. But he's still a funny guy. And uh, as for your question, Chestnuts, I'm not really one of those guys that uses nicknames to describe female body parts. And I know in the past I made a lot of joke songs with the word titties in it, but it's just because I find that word funny. It's just a funny word. And to be honest, I'm more of an ass man. (laughs) I just find the word funny. So I don't know, like, I I mean, I I have some friends who do that where they're like, look at the fucking cans on her or whatever. I'm like, all right, I'm I'm comfortable just calling them breasts. I'm a mature man. All right. With a very, very mature audience. All right. Look, let's listen to uh, another song. Okay. I got a cool one here from Andrew Lacent. Hope that's how you say that. This guy's been uh, making music for a long time. Uh, I just went on Bandcamp Friday and got his whole catalog. There's a lot of uh, techno and stuff in there and some cool tunes. Uh, He put out an album called Second Chance in uh, 2021, and it's got some cool songs on it. And uh, this one is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the Kroner Club, we got Hampus ML and Emil and Tim Carlton, the golden boner with the 50. Mr. Cisco Hold Music himself and Jacob Wick, my semi-sonic friend, who's a super cool dude. And I hope you like this. This is Andrew Lacent with Crazy Diamonds.
And that was Crazy Diamonds by Andrew Lucint. Brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Uh, there's City Hunter, the coolest guy in town with the 42. And with the 3389, it's Brendan Decker. And Retro Serenade with the 3333. Lots of 33s here. Almost like Mr. Magoo Samurai with the 33 as well. So I hope you dug that. I actually chose sort of a different sounding song from that album, which I tend to do sometimes. If I just sit down and actually listen to somebody's album... And I'm like, oh, this is some pretty good synthwave stuff. And then there's like one song that just sort of stands out to me as being kind of different and cool. Like that's the song I end up choosing. But the other song I was going to play is track number one on that album. And I just didn't know how to say that word. It's like the Zargasis or something. It was the... Anyway, whatever. You can let me know how to say it, and then I'll play that song, because that's a cool song, too. Okay, so I did have a question for the audience. You know, the goal with this show has always been to promote artists in the synthwave scene. I have had people who will go like, oh, why don't you play a track off The weekend's new album? And I'm like, because he doesn't need exposure, right? I mean, like, I get it's cool stuff, and it is synthwave, but when you're backed by, like, a huge label, I don't feel like there's any point in me exposing people to that it's like if you go on youtube and you like synthwave the weekend is going to show up in your feed if you're on spotify or any other place because when you've got a huge label backing you they can fucking push their tracks right so my motto has always been to support artists who you might not have heard and even the ones you have within the synthwave scene who could use some support and stuff like that. That's sort of the point of the show, or at least one of the points. So my question was, would anyone be interested in an actual show where we review music in the synthwave scene critically? So my motto is, if you send me music that I don't like, I just don't play it. I don't send an email back saying like, no, this is wrong for the show, or I don't like your music, or I think the vocals need work or whatever. I don't do that sort of thing. Basically, I just play songs I think are good, and if stuff isn't good, I just don't talk about it. I don't call people out or anything like that, and that's been how I've been operating this whole time. However, sometimes I do have people who they say they want feedback. Now, I honestly don't believe they do want feedback because... Well, just because. I do. <laughs> you know, like when someone says, oh, just be honest, tell me how you think. Uh, well, I think the synths sound cheap, your vocals don't sound good, and they're off-key, and a lot of this stuff you're doing is derivative. Like, do people want notes like that? Like, I don't think so. But, since I have had a few people over the years ask for it, I was always curious if the audience would be interested in, like, an episode or two or something. Like, not to do all the time, but an episode where we do, and maybe I bring in some other producers as well to just talk about some of the music in the scene a bit more critically and maybe explain why. You know, if you're an artist starting up and you go like, why don't they ever play my music? Like, actually say why? And try and do it in the most constructive way possible. But at the end of the day, even constructive criticism can be seen as an insult if you are not mentally prepared for it. So sometimes people say they want criticism, but they don't actually want criticism. So anyways, I'm just opening it up to the audience. Would you be interested in listening to an episode where instead of, you know, I just say, hey, that's a cool song. I actually play a song I wouldn't normally play on the show and 
and say, here's why. And I guess with the artist's permission, like if artists submit a song and say, hey, you've never played my music, you know, here's my best track or whatever, and then actually talk about it. It's something to think about. Uh, But at the same time, I have always maintained the positivity because I don't want this to be like fucking Iron Skullet or whatever, you know. And for those of you who don't remember, Iron Skullet wrote a blog where he would write very negative reviews about music in the synthwave scene that made everybody mad. And that was his claim to fame was making people angry, which is something that is not my mission. So anyways, let's uh, listen to some cool music and then we will keep talking. So uh, I got one here from Rogue VHS. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the 2666 Club, it's Hugh Hefner. And in the $25 Club, it's Clint Dowling, Star Apart, Alex Seligson, Blake Peterson, and Cargo Cult Luau. I hope you like this. This is Rogue VHS and Tima with Fall Again.
And that was Fall Again by Rogue, VHS, and Tima. I enjoyed that one. That, of course, was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Actually, you know what? That was brought to you by my awesome PayPals. Remember, you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth, but you can also go to paypal.com slash paypalme slash beyondsynth, or you can also go to beyondsynth.com and click on the PayPal button. So some people choose to donate with PayPal, like these awesome people whose names I'm about to read. Of course, there's Upgrade Jimpy, the king of the PayPals. However, sneaking up slowly to Upgrade Jimpy is Ross Bruce, the Silver Bruce, who I've noticed has been incrementally increasing his donation month by month, and I guess I haven't been announcing the upgrade. To be honest, PayPal works a little differently than Patreon, so when someone upgrades on Patreon, it gives me like a little notification that says like, so-and-so has raised their donation, whereas with PayPal, I have to sort of do the math myself, and so when I see a PayPal donation come in, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, there's your payment from Ross Bruce, but I don't immediately click in that like, oh wait, he's donated more this month than last month. So, I would just like to say that Ross Bruce has upgraded his support. And is slowly sneaking up on Upgrade Jimpy. Who knows? Maybe one of these days Ross Bruce will be king of the PayPals. And Upgrade Jimpy will be left in the dust. But of course, I appreciate all your support. And uh, we got a new PayPal here, Alex Lightspeed. Thank you very much for your support. The 1984, he says, I see people in the 1985 and the 1986 and the 1988 club, so I chose my birth year and I'm coming at you from the 1984 club. Love the show. The best synthwave talk show there is. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Alex Lightspeed. And thank you so much for supporting the show. And then, of course, there's Mr. Austin Whetstone, Jimmy Groon, the Rosconian Brandon Morin, Digital Dreams, Gustav Velichek, Dan Williams, Adrian Lawrence, Russell Nyes, Timothy Warwick, Jersey, and Christian Alexander, aka User. And I think I got a note from Jersey as well that says, Synth on Systems Nominal, Peace of Mind, Engaged. Jersey likes synthwave music. I mean, that last part was me. That wasn't his message. <laughs> But it could be. I like when people send me uh, messages in the third person. I think I just took up that whole segment reading PayPal names. Is that what I just did? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's listen to some more music. I got one here from Sheaf. Uh, It's a cool song brought to you by my awesome uh, uh, Patreon supporters. Did I say Cargo Cult Luau already? Well, then there's Eurobeat Intensifies, Honeybeard, Jimmy the Hutt, Joey Richards, and Johnny Five. And this is Sheaf with Solitude.
And that was Solitude by Sheaf. Yeah. What? <laughs> I don't think I've ever come back from a track like that before. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, we'll be chatting with Laura Dre in just a bit, but first, we gotta do birthdays. Oh, and I should say that that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, right? In the $25 club, like Kempson, Ken Giroux, Marantha, Neverman, and Restless Nights. And uh, let's do some birthdays. Let me show you how to create an amazing ad using stock footage. Go to artgrid.io. Look at all this great footage. We got a belated birthday here for River Avenue. I've asked a game changer. Who wrote to my Discord, and he was upset and sad that yeah, he didn't get a birthday mention, but he also never told me his birthday. So this is a message to all of you out there. It's also a happy birthday to River Avenue. And to tell you that um, if you want me to uh, give you a birthday shout-out, you got to tell me what it is. That's the first... <laughs> Uh, I have not yet, and who knows, maybe in the future I will, but up until this point, have not developed the psychic abilities necessary to uh, reach into the mind of my supporters and find out their birthdays without them telling me. I've asked a game changer. So, uh, if you are a patron or PayPal and you want me to give you a birthday shout-out, just shoot me a message, and uh, you don't need to remind me if I've already given you a birthday shout-out, because I have a chart here, and I write them all down, and that's what happens. Uh, I'd like to say happy birthday on February the 12th, that was a few days ago, to Daniel Rivnak. A.K.A. Silent H. I did it! I was so confused for years because I was like, Silent H? How do you say Hrivnak? And the guy's name was Silent H. Because you're not supposed to pronounce the H in Hrivnak. It's just Rivnak. Daniel Rivnak. Happy birthday to you. I hope you had a lovely birthday on February the 12th. So the day that I'm actually recording this, February the 14th, besides being my dad's birthday, fuck, I should phone him. It's also the the happy birthday of Andrew, a.k.a. Jimmy the Hut. Happy birthday to Jimmy the Hut. All right? Although by the time you listen to this episode, uh, it will already have been your birthday. But I hope you're having a good birthday. You're a cool guy. Uh, Jimmy the Hutt's been on the show before. When I do my Meet the Patron episodes, it's always nice to, to meet the awesome people who support the show. And he's a cool guy. So I hope you had a good birthday and uh, keeping fit and all that stuff. Uh, on February the 16th, it's Cenotaph. That's right, Wes. You say Wes or Wes? No, you say Wes. Wes. <laughs> Wes. I'm going to call you Wes. Hey, Wes. Wes Evans. Uh, Cenotaph, happy birthday to you. I hope you're having a lovely day. You know, you're a cool guy, and I, I appreciate your support, and so I hope you have a lovely birthday. All right? Cenotaph. Isn't Cenotaph like a monument for dead people? Hold on. A monument erected in honor of a dead person whose remains lie elsewhere. Ah, okay. Anyway, happy birthday, buddy. <laughs> so that's a very happy birthday to Daniel Rivnak, 
Jimmy the Hut and Cenotaph, and of course Simon, aka the Fear Merchant. Wait a second, you're not even a patron anymore. Well, you know what? Listen, I appreciate your support. All right, he may no longer be a patron, but if anyone ever was a patron, then they're a cool guy through and through. Hey, maybe you're not a patron because you don't even listen to the show anymore. But the bottom line is, if you do, happy birthday, buddy! On February the seventeenth, I appreciate all the people who supported my show eternally. All right, let's listen to some music. I got a cool one here from Atmo Lifter. We got a nice mix this week. You know, we got some synth pop tracks. We got some kind of chill wavy kind of stuff, and then Atmo Lifter brings the sort of cinematic cool music it's brought to you by my awesome patreon supporters in the 25 dollar club like robot conglomerate sir micathy techno ben slade and forged in neon with the 2049 and this is atmo lifter with time deviation
And that was Time Deviation by Atmo Lifter. Brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the $20 Club, there's Joshua Winter and Chatterack. And, of course, Waylon Kasky Geospatial. With the 1988 and the 1986, we got Toots. And in the 1985 Club, we got Sarah Buchelman and Rachel Buchelman. And I hope you are all doing very well. We're going to talk to Laura Dre in just a second. We're going to listen to one more song. So I guess more than a second. I don't know why I said that. I don't know what's been going on with me lately, but I have been so tired. I don't think I got COVID, but pretty much any time... Like, if I just lay down, I will just fall asleep. And last night, I ate some fucking weird food, and I felt weird, so I went to bed early. I woke up early this morning, and I was only up for like two or three hours, but I got like a full night's sleep. And then I just sort of went and laid down and then was just asleep until lunch. I'm like, I don't even know why. I didn't do anything. Maybe I'm low on some vitamin. What's an energy vitamin? Like, I'll take C and D and omega-3. <laughs> Is B the one that gives you energy? Isn't that the one the famous people, like, they take, like, injections of, like, vitamin B, but they get it in their ass? Is that a thing I just made up? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Let's just listen to another song and then go chat with uh, Laura Dre. But let me know. There's a few questions I guess I've left you with this episode. Is if you want to do an episode where we actually listen to music from the synthwave scene with a sort of a critical lens uh, in hopes of hopefully making people better musicians. But if that sounds too mean-spirited to you, then we don't have to do it. That's fine. I don't like being a mean guy. And of course, let me know what vitamins I can take to give myself more energy. Maybe I'm low on iron. Who knows? But I tell you what I'm not low on, cool music. So let's listen to this one from Decade Defector and Steven Sims. Uh, It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. We got Gene Creamer, Private Eye, Mads Baron Christensen, and we will never forget the immortal Chris Lyle And this is Here Comes the Rain by Decade Defector and Steven Sims.
And that was Decade Defector and Stephen Sims with Here Comes the Rain. I hope you all dig that. I hope you enjoy all the tunes we listen to on this show. And don't forget to support the artists by clicking the links. So if you click on the uh, the More Info button, if you're listening to the show on SoundCloud or Spotify or whatever, you'll see all the artist links there. So click on those and check out their tunes. And now, let's go chat with Laura Dre. All right, well, I am here right now with Laura Dre. How's it going? Hello, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. This is the best day of my life. Yeah? Why? I, I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I, I, I watched some YouTube video about always having a positive attitude because I'm always deeply depressed. So if I just walk around saying it's the best day of my life, then maybe I'll actually feel that way. All right. What kind of YouTube video is it? About house cleaning for Christmas? Or Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. House cleaning tips. To be honest, I was watching a video the other day of someone who was folding shirts and they had this way of folding where it was all so perfect and every time I watch the video I'm just like fuck I want to learn how to fold shirts like that uh, you gotta watch uh, Maria Kondo on Netflix dude does she fold shirts oh yeah she shows you like she teaches people how to be neat and organized love it I mean I know her rules <laughs> you know if you don't love it fucking throw it away or whatever uh, and which I do take to heart sort of like I've been selling a lot of things because I want to get myself a new laptop yeah and so I'm like i looking at my shelf going do I do I love this old microphone that I haven't used in two years, or can I sell that? No, of course you love it, Andy. You're a vintage lover. To be honest with you, <laughs> I I don't know. I don't really care. I, I, to me, I'm more about utility. Okay. What? Well, wait. Can you actually really say you can get rid of old 80s stuff, of old 80s toys, nostalgia things that you're very fond of? I can now. No way. Well, it depends. I don't <laughs> have a lot of that stuff anyways. Like, I do okay. have a big thing of Lego that I'm probably never going to get rid of. Like, I've got a lot of Lego, but it's at my dad's place. Oh, same here. <laughs> but, like, old video games, I used to keep the boxes and stuff. And then recently, I'm like, fuck it, man. Just sell these things. Because I just, I like to play them still, but I, I can play just the digital download version or whatever like I don't need to be putting the cartridges in the machine like that's not that important that's to true. me you're talking about the illegal uh, what do you call this emu rums right yeah yeah yeah, no, yeah. Well, <laughs> put it this way I don't condone people downloading <laughs> ROMs if unless you own the cartridge and then it's okay mm-hmm. is what all the websites say where you download the ROMs I know they always say uh, we don't condone the downloading of this stuff but here's how you set up your emulator and here's how you do everything <laughs> but, but don't actually do it it's like, okay, buddy. Yeah, I still got the instructions for my Raspberry 3 to set yeah. it up. <laughs> well, that's the thing, because I, 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 that's actually one of the things I was going to sell, because I haven't been playing mine, because I have a, a, a Raspberry Pi, and I put it in one of those little Nintendo yeah, yeah. cases. But my plan is this year, if I have any spare money, but maybe I won't, uh, I, I want to get one of those Steam decks Okay. from Steam. It's like a Nintendo Switch, but it's made by Steam, like the company, like... Uh, yeah, yeah, I know Steam. So they're making, like, basically a Nintendo Switch kind of thing, but technically it's just a computer. Okay, awesome. So if you want to, you can also just hook it up with an HDMI and just run any software that you could run on a computer. Mm-hmm. And so if I can run my emulators on that thing, then I won't necessarily need a, a RetroPie. No, that's true. I, I've actually not noticed it. I have Steam and I play games on a daily basis, but I have not seen it before. <laughs> I'm surprised they're not advertising it on there. Well, to be fair, I think because of the chip shortage, a lot of electronics companies had to delay 
orders of things and so i think the steam deck was supposed to start shipping like in 2021 but i think the orders are only being shipped kind of around 2022 now like that's where Mm -hmm. that's when they're they're starting anyway look What? This has nothing to do with Laura Dre. Tell people where you're from, because your accent is surprising me. For some reason, I thought you were just British. No, no, it's unidentifiable. Mm. <laughs> no, so I'm German. Uh, I was born in Germany and raised here, but I lived in the States for a couple of years, and I also lived for 12 years in, in England, London, to be precise. So where are you now? Back in Germany. You're in Germany now? Yes, indeed. Okay. Why did I think you were British? Why would I think that? I don't know. Maybe because I put the British flag everywhere, uh, next to the gay flag, next to the German flag, next to whatever. Yeah. What What country is the gay flag for? (laughs) It's the rainbow. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, fine. So, Laura Dre, then. Let's learn a bit about Laura Dre. Is that your actual name or is that a fake name? No, it's uh, partially my name. I actually have a different surname. It's not completely different. It's just a longer version of the Dre. (laughs) Okay, okay. When did you start making tunes? Ooh, uh, since 2003, actually. It was really crappy, though. I was composing on Cubase back then and on Logic. Um, Not Logic, actually. It was called E-Magic before. (laughs) And I got signed, actually, to a Canadian-based record label in 2004. They're actually based in Toronto right now. Yeah, they're they're my neighbors. They're your neighbors. (laughs) Yeah, we all live right next to each other, so... I'll just give them a wave. We all live in the top of the CN Tower. Yeah, no, I love it. But anyway, so I've been composing since 2003, and in 2016, I decided I'm going to take this career like seriously and go professional, and I started studying music production at university. Right, so then what was the stuff you were doing before? I should remind the audience that I don't do any research, and so we're primarily going to be <laughs> focused on your most recent releases, but if, if there is like Laura Dre stuff hovering around the internet somewhere from pre, you know... right. Let me ask you, do you really want to hear the boring, non-music-related things that I'd done previously before you know, music university? You know, <laughs> nothing is boring to me when you're getting to know somebody. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, okay, let's start with the boring shit first. Sure. In 2008, I moved to the UK and I started working there as a project manager for five years for a software company. And... Yeah, I can probably say it was boring. <laughs> what kind of software did you project manage? Um, it's a recruitment software. For the army? No, it's for a database, <laughs> for recruiters, actually. <laughs> for the army, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, it's just for headhunters and stuff. It was yeah, pretty dull, but, you know, it was a job. And then I decided after five years... I want to do something different, and that's when I decided to join the police in London. What? (laughs) Wait, doing what? Software, or were you, like, wearing an outfit? Both, just looking pretty and standing by the crime scene. Nice. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually a police constable, going regularly on duty, just fulfilling all my things. I was on the emergency response team, going to incidents, and, yeah, that was my life for literally two and a half years, and then I decided, I'm going to study music. I have enough of it. (laughs) Wait, this you're bouncing around quite a bit here so you go from project managing and then just one day like i'm gonna be a cop yeah pretty much exciting right i mean how much training do you have to do to become a constable i think it was if i remember correctly about six months i'm not really sure anymore it was interesting an interesting experience and unfortunately i cannot really go into details about the incidents because you know what i could get jailed for this you know (laughs) (laughs) i was expecting a play-by-play account of every encounter you had oh i'd love to tell you (laughs) 
You know, it's not too many people. Like, oftentimes, the majority of people I talk to are just, like, kind of nerds who just, well, I got into Synthwave and watched the movie Drive. What'd you do before? I'm a video game nerd or whatever, and that's it. So whenever people <laughs> tell me, like, well, I was a project manager, and then I became a cop just for the hell of it <laughs> for two years, and you know what I mean? It's uh, That's fun. Yeah. Life was definitely not boring. <laughs> well, how about this? We still have so much more to learn, but how about we actually listen to some music? Sure. And then we'll keep chatting. So we got this album here, Moving Spaces, from 2021, all those years ago. <laughs> and this is a cool album. There's lots of uh, fun tracks on here. I want to listen to this one, which is called Loving You is a Beautiful Sin. Oh, yeah. And we'll <laughs> listen to that, and then we'll come back. So this is uh, Loving You is a Beautiful Sin by Laura Dre.
And that was Laura Dre with Loving You is a Beautiful Sin. And I'm here right now with Laura Dre, just having a good time talking about uh, upholding the law. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wish. What's this Loving You is a Beautiful Sin all about? Uh, Just as the title suggests. You really wanted to know about the the meaning of it, or? Let's assume I want to know everything about everything. Okay, it's basically about loving someone so much that you really, literally are ready to die for them. That's what the whole song is about, in a nutshell. A lot of these songs seem to be kind of steamy. Oh, very steamy, yes. <laughs> well, it's about the whole album is about unrequited love. You see. Mm. Is this what's on your mind all the time? Or is just like when you're set to write a, an album, you're like, all right, here comes the sexy stuff. <laughs> Let me just uh, pull out all the sexiness out of my ass. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> There's a sentence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, I just decided from the first song onwards when I wrote it i was like this album's gonna have a specific theme to it and it's gonna be all about unrequited love and i felt like that a lot of people could relate to it so that's why i was sticking with this theme who is robert harder robert harder is a very good friend of mine he's an awesome legendary sound engineer producer everything he does all the mastering and he's just a really really good guy very experienced i saw his name so he was the producer on this album right not entirely he he did a bit of co-production how to take away his credit (laughs) (laughs) my demos um pretty much sound exactly the same as what you're hearing right now but um he did do a lot of vocal production which is amazing and did all um the mixing and mastering to the final work so yeah he definitely contributed a lot to this and yeah i will definitely do my second album with him again for sure robert harder sounds like the name of a porn star (laughs) yeah Absolutely. I think I heard Michael Oakley saying, oh, Robert Softer did this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he beat me to the joke. Yeah. Let's continue the story of Laura Dre here. So you're done being a police officer. You say, I've had enough. Yep. And then you move on to do what? Uh, being a full-time artist. <laughs> did you go to music school after the police? After the police, yeah. Enrolled for your music production university and got my degree and here I am producing my own albums now. <laughs> right. Well, that's cool. Right? No? Yeah. Yes? Absolutely. I can love it. <laughs> Wait, how long was uh, was the music production schooling? Uh, it was three years. Really? Yeah. I had to do a lot of things, you know. I even had to learn fucking music theory. I had no clue, but mm. yeah, I was kind of forced to learn that, which was actually quite good. Because I must say, it definitely helped in composing music. And the songwriting course I had definitely helped, as well as courses for music for games and film and TV, everything, really. So what kind of music were you making in in the early 2000s? Oh my god. Horrible, horrible music that you don't want to listen to. <laughs> Is it funny? No, it's not. F- well, depends on your view. <laughs> could be. It could be. Dude, I was a lot into Veruca Salt, Slita Kinney back in the day, hmm. in the early 2000s. Like everything that's like female fronted and grunge and had a hint of rock. Right. Yeah, it was pretty much emo as well. I think it was hip back then, wasn't it? Emo, emo time. <laughs> <laughs> the emo time. Wait, yeah. was this still like a solo project or did you have a uh, band? mates oh it's still all solo i've been flying solo for so many years but i did had at some point 
um, a full band when I moved to England. But it was still me writing all the stuff, except, you know, people that actually uh, play instruments. So that was good. And what kind of music was that? The same kind of stuff? Uh, no, it was um, actually electropunk. Electropunk. Yeah, an upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> Does that stuff exist anywhere? Uh, yeah, it's actually on Spotify. You can check it out if you want. Is that still Laura Dre or is that under a different name? It's a different name. Um, so back then I was called Vinyl Black Stilettos. Vinyl Black Stilettos. Yep. <laughs> And this was a band. Yep. I formed this band with some random people on the internet that I just found off fucking Gumtree. It's kind of like Craigslist. Mm. I think we had our last show in 2015 and then I had to give it up because of the police work. It got too much and then I had night shifts and stuff like that. I couldn't commit anymore. But yeah, for six years, it was really fun. We got a lot of experience. I even got to open up for Kim Wilde, okay. which was amazing. Played at one of the largest lesbian festivals out there in Germany. <laughs> Now, was this like a girl group? No, not at all. I actually had... It was all guys except me. Right, okay. <laughs> That's the funny thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too bad they didn't wear stilettos. Uh, that would have been um, amazing. To If you're playing like a lesbian festival, is it still like there's got to be some female requirement? So like you were the thing that allowed the band to play the thing? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I was all that was needed. As long as there's a lady running the show in this band, that's what matters. Yeah, yeah indeed. As long as I'm the one who's the dominant one and then just like, you know, get everyone to <laughs> kneel down. <laughs> that's fine. No, it's all good. <laughs> I always find festivals interesting because we have like the Toronto Film Festival here. Mm -hmm. And I think people have this like a different idea of what festival really means because when I was younger, I always assumed festival meant like there was one big event happening in one place. Mm -hmm. But in, in reality, like in Toronto, the film festival, it's actually happening simultaneously at all these cinemas sort of around downtown. It's like if you have a, a ticket to the festival, you're in one movie theater and it's like, okay, and then there's a, a showing of this film at a tiny theater that's like, you know, you have to take the subway and go over to this place and do this. So if, if you're playing like a lesbian music festival, is it all happening under one roof or is it like events that are sort of happening around town? Uh, it's events that are happening around the world, really. <laughs> It's actually quite massive. I mean, well, for the lesbian festivals, there's one, uh, I think recently one in Mexico, Mexico somewhere, yeah. <laughs> uh, another one in... <laughs> what, what is the Spanish word for lesbian? I have no idea. Mm. Really, lesbos or... <laughs> Hold on, no, let's look it up. No, no, let's look it up. We're going to do this right. All right, all right. Spanish. Hold on. Let's do um, Google Translate here. This is very important. <laughs> it's it's going to be so funny, especially for the Spanish people that are listening right now. Okay, so my, my language is English, so I am going to type in lesbian, and I'm going to translate that to Spanish, which I got to scroll all the way down here. <laughs> Spanish. It's lesbiana. It like ends with an A. Oh. It's just lesbian with an A on the end. Ah, interesting. And I think in Japan, it's uh, Japanese, it's uh, Rezubian. Rezubian? Rezubian, something like that. All right, I'll have to type that in. I'll do the thing. You know where you can make the computer like pronounce the word for you? <laughs> yeah, do I'll, it. I'll dub that in here so people know. Do it. <laughs> People are always asking me this question, and now I'm going to finally be able to answer them. Yay! <laughs> when they go, just how do you say lesbian in Japanese? Well, let me tell you. It's. <laughs> lesbian. Lesbian. Actually, I do have a question for you. Yes. Whilst we're on the topic for um, uh, festivals. Mm. In 1999, yeah. when I was in Canada, I actually went to this festival called Hula Palooza or something. Do you still have it? Hula Palooza? Something like that? 
No. Oh, shit. That sounds like a very late 90s thing. Dude, did I just make that up? Or is <laughs> well, okay, I'm trying to think we had in... Uh, there was Lollapalooza. Mm, maybe that was that. And Hulapalooza was from The Simpsons, maybe. No, The Simpsons went to Lollapalooza, didn't they? Mm, see, I can't remember. Wasn't that the actual thing? Like, we're, like, uh, smashing pumpkins and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good episode. Fucking loved it. Yeah. I'm unsure if that came to Canada, though, did it? Did they do, like, a touring festival? I don't know. I went to some festivals. It was fucking awesome. I got drenched in rain that day, and I was wearing a Blink 1982 t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> this is a very <laughs> 90s story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, let's listen to another track, okay? Go for it. We're, I, I want to listen to Ice Maiden, because it's a cool song. Ice Maiden. <laughs> yeah, so let's do it. This is Ice Maiden by Laura Dre. <laughs> Yeah. 
And that was Laura Dre with the track Ice Maiden from the album Moving Spaces. I'm here right now with Laura Dre. Uh, why is the album called Moving Spaces? Actually, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that I was the label's like idea, man. Dad, actually, I felt like calling it that because it just moves around from place to place. You know, we all move back and forth in life, in, in relationships, and yeah, I felt like the whole theme fits to this title. All right, so you had this band, then you were a cop, then it all dissolved, and then when you finished music production, educating your mind, did you ever think about restarting that band again, or was it clearly like, no, we were done? Oh, uh, you mean uh, Vinyl Black Stilettos? Yes. Uh, it was kind of like over for me, because I kind of moved on from that genre, and I wanted to do something different, other than electro-punk. Sure. I felt like, because I'm a solo artist, I mean, it's so difficult for me to find bandmates here, and fucking in this cow village I'm, I'm living right in right now, right? it's so difficult. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I need to be a, a solo artist, and I'm going to have need to have full control of the songs, and and that's why I thought, like, okay, let's just start Laura Dre, you know. Whatever became of the gentleman from Vinyl Black Stilettos? Oh, dude, they all got fucking children now. Ah, uh, like, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, the minute they got babies, it's like you can't have them anymore in a bag, because, <laughs> seriously, they can't commit anymore to rehearsals. I'm like, dude, I thought we discussed music before pussy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but were you following that rule? Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. But I can't tell if you were following the ruler if that's where all the angst and all this unrequited love stories come from. <laughs> so then once you uh, decided on, okay, I'm Laura Dre now, why did you settle on this sort of genre? To be honest, I don't even know what fucking genre it was. All I knew was... I'm going to make something similar to 80s music. And I didn't know the term synthwave at the time when I was creating it. All I knew is uh, I love retro synths and love a bit of guitar here and there. And I'm just going to make it as 80s sounding as possible with a bit of modernness. So, you know, because I still want it a bit to sell, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And then I did it. I mean, I've created like eight or nine tracks before I approached Outland and sent them my demos. And they surprisingly responded very very quickly within two hours and i was already shocked i was like damn (laughs) (laughs) and then we started talking ever since and i do like that they don't have so many artists on the label which means i'm getting looked after very well (laughs) yeah and yeah we took it ever since from there and uh, they signed me eventually uh, beginning november well that's cool well Stu's a cool guy yeah he's hilarious You know, it's funny, uh, he's actually a bit of a control freak, but mm. he's like, you know, you should have your creative freedom, which is great, and just make a few more tracks, and then we'll just cherry pick him out and create moving spaces together. And yeah, we decided on 10 songs, so we could fit it all on the vinyl. There was actually more tracks to moving spaces initially, but some tracks we said, okay, let's put it out onto moving spaces too or whatever you know yeah yeah <laughs> the second album uh, yeah here we are we've settled with 10 tracks so like are you actually planning a moving spaces too because you obviously have this other album out Kyoto Dreams which we'll talk about a bit later <laughs> after we play a few more tracks from moving spaces but that's obviously a very different kind of thing too it was a sort of an instrumental concept album yeah definitely because uh, you already listened to it a little bit right mm. well because I'd heard again I'm an idiot so I'll just let the audience know in advance yeah. I I know you had released this single, Kyoto Dreams, and I thought it was just a single. And so about half an hour before we started recording this interview, (laughs) I'm on your band camp and I'm like, 
oh wait it's a fucking album and, and, and the album's coming out like very soon it's like a few days you know from when we're recording this interview and so I'm like ah shit so I sort of scrambled to listen to it yeah yeah but yeah it's uh do you love Japan yeah I fucking love Japan <laughs> absolutely everything's good so that's what this is all about it's a love letter to Japan yeah pretty much I just wanted to create a listening story really so that's why the whole album is so differently structured and contains chapters which form a whole story and in between uh, the instrumental tracks for um, total creative and modern listening experience really we're gonna listen to some of those tracks later in the show mm. uh, I don't know why I'm teasing it like this it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, like, uh, build excitement, all right? Yeah, of course. It's a new technique of mine, because normally what I do is the opposite, and I just make people fall asleep. <laughs> so today is a very exciting day. We're going to try and keep the energy up and make it all seem very uh, exciting. Yeah, seduction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, even in the seduction department, I always end up putting people to sleep, too, so. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> I mean, are you, uh... <laughs> Pulling out your Pokemon Go cards and just like <laughs> show them which Pokemon, but yeah. I don't play any of those kind of card games, so I never really understood how they worked. Oh, me neither. I'm not 90s enough for that. I like 90s, but I'm not that 90s that I know anything about Pokemons. I do know about, what do you call them, Pogs. Yep, I remember Pogs. Yeah. But Pogs was a very simple game. Wasn't it just like you flip hmm. them? Yeah, I fucking love it, man. It's just fucking simple. Just <laughs> throw some shit on it and it flips and boom, you're fucking happy. I don't know why, but <laughs> make my day. That's the best endorsement of Pogs I've ever heard. Yeah, dude. <laughs> well, look, how about this? Let's listen to Superficial Cyber Love. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> from uh, the album Moving Spaces and then we'll keep talking, all right? So yes. this is Laura Dre with Superficial Cyber Love.
And that was Superficial Cyber Love by Laura Dre. And I'm here right now with Laura Dre talking about pogs. Because <laughs> <laughs> we got nothing better to talk about. Ah, you know, this, that's what this show is all about, man. It's uh, Yeah, no, I love it. What games are you playing right now? You said you were playing on Steam? Ah, uh, a lot of games. Deep Rock Galactic at the moment. You know, this one is a dwarf game. It seems interesting. It's like sort of a first-person kind of drilling game, right? Like you run around. <laughs> yeah, first-person shooter, and you just shoot at aliens and complete several tasks or missions there to gather minerals and then at the end once you once you finish it you push a red button and then you try to run to the rocket as fast as you can do you play that with people it's it's multiplayer right like online yeah it's multiplayer i play with uh, i'm usually with my other three gamer dudes and dudettes so that's like the main excitement right now is deep rock getting to play as space dwarves (laughs) yeah pretty much (laughs) (laughs) i heard you like you like uh, Grand Theft Auto, right? I do. <laughs> I, like, as I get older, my brain gets frazzled, and so I can kind of only handle one complex game at a time, yeah. control-style-wise, you know, because I'll play another game and fucking fiddle with the controller. And so this was back in December, so I had just beaten Metroid Dread on the Switch. Oh, wow. This, that game is still going, eh, Metroid? Yeah, man. <laughs> Since the 90s. Wow. Yeah, and it's... Fuck, the last boss was so hard. Like, just you just had to do everything perfect, and my fingers are all, like, cramped up like an old man. <laughs> So when that was done, I got back on Game Pass and I started playing things like Stardew Valley and stuff. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. You know, nice, calm game where you're just chopping down trees and planting seeds and stuff. Mm -hmm. Because I just needed that break because I was just playing a game that was so frantic that I needed something calm. Mm -hmm. I have those moments as well, you know, either where I just literally don't want to do any action shooters and I just play some visual novels. Obviously the lesbian kind. (laughs) (laughs) It's always like watching hentai. But there's one game I can really recommend. Or I don't know if there are any people into Yuri anime, whatever. But it's called A Summer's End. Hong Kong 1986 and it's got all the 80s aesthetic to it. Uh, It's available on Steam. What defines a lesbian visual novel? Well, it's two women in love having sex. But do you (laughs) play the... Because I've never played a sex game. No, it's not an actual game. Well, it is kind of defined as a game, but... uh, you do not do anything active. It's more like a book reading story and then you just interactively choose the path you want to go to, like, you know, text-based games. Right. Hmm. Can you, like, fuck up the relationship then and never have any sex? In some games, yes. Um, not the one that I played. <laughs> you can't yeah, fuck up there's no way to mess up in this <laughs> yeah. one. You know, like, things like Dragon Age and stuff where characters can have a relationship. You can fuck up that one for sure. But I guess also, too, the relationship is always sort of like a side thing to the actual game of... Main quest. Yeah, exactly. It's like in Mass Effect as well, yeah. I guess maybe I'm just like such a boy or something like when I play games, but I've never really done the romance stuff when <laughs> I play these games because I love Mass Effect. Right. Oh, I love it too. And I replayed it, you know, just uh, last year when the... Um, remastered version When the came remaster out. came out, I, I yeah. played it again. I actually enjoyed it more mm-hmm. because I remember being disappointed by part three, but then I had never played it with all the DLC. So like... Oh, that's so good. Yeah, when it, when it was all back it actually really changed the whole tone of that game for me like i was like oh this this game's really good yeah i had to get the dlcs for mass effect 2 for sure (laughs) whenever i read stories of mass effect on like gaming news websites everyone's always hyper focused on the the romance stuff like that's what everyone always Mm -hmm. talks about now oh and this one's better because you know Shepard can finally like fuck that guy and stuff (laughs) 
<laughs> and because uh, they took the the lesbian and, and gay option out of the first one and stuff like this. And then when I play, I realize I went through the whole trilogy, and at the very end, I never seduced anybody. I never had a sexual relationship with anybody. Even that blue chick <laughs> wow. who basically throws herself at you, like, you can't even fail that relationship, I yeah. don't think. Like, that one's just ready to go, like, whenever you want to just press X or whatever. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Whereas, like, some of the other chicks are, like, harder to... Because I play as male Shepard. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it doesn't matter, though, because you can be lesbian in that game, right? Yeah, of course. Well, we say of course, but don't forget that in Mass Effect 1, I think they had to take it out. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. You can have a relationship with Jack, but apparently it's incredibly difficult. Yeah, I think so. Because uh, she's like uh, kind of a hard person to get along with. I think they did mods for that stuff so people can actually have a relationship with her. Oh, like you... <laughs> you know, cheating mods. Can't believe it. I love the idea of cheating to do it. Yeah, it's what they all do also for Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, I still haven't played that yet. I'm waiting until... They fix all the bugs. Yeah, which yeah. I guess is just never going to happen. I don't know. Try next year or like two years time, maybe. I mean, that's the thing, too. I know people said games like The Witcher and stuff released kind of buggy. And like, I never played The Witcher until like, you know, two years after it had come out. So like, I didn't Mm -hmm. notice any problems. Yeah. So hopefully that's the same case with Cyberpunk. Because I mean, I have next gen consoles. And so I've always, I've just been waiting for them to release the next gen sort of updates for console. Because I don't really play on computer. Yeah. I mean, I didn't finish Cyberpunk 2077 either because too many bugs and then it's just not working well on my computer at the moment. Some of the bugs are funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I've watched I've watched lots of videos that made me laugh but <laughs> I can see why that would be really frustrating if you're like in the middle of a mission and your car just flies into a building and gets stuck in the side of the wall for no reason. And yeah. Then- <laughs> And no. dude, playing on low res is not really great either. So yeah. it's like my computer can't barely handle the game. Well, listen, speaking of games, oh God, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm not very good at segues. Uh, let's play the titular Moving Spaces track Ooh. from the album <laughs> Moving Spaces. And then we'll, uh, we'll keep talking. How about that? Sounds good. All right, let's do it. This is Moving Spaces by Laura Dre.
And that was Moving Spaces by Laura Dre. And I'm here with Laura Dre right now talking about having sex with ladies in video games. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about ladies sexual intercourse in video games. Well, yeah, that's the thing, because I always find this really interesting because I've never really played any of those types of games, but I visit a lot of video game news websites, so I always see stories like that. And there was one I just saw that made me laugh where there's like, I think it's like an action game, but all the chicks are like in very, very <laughs> sexualized outfits. I know. <laughs> What's that game called? It's like, it's 3D action game. I need to buy it. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what it is? No. It's like, it has chicks on it. I need to buy it. <laughs> because I think we've gone through a period, obviously, there there was always these sort of overly sexualized female characters in games. Yeah. And then they're sort of presenting female characters as more realistic lately yeah. and sort of moving away from the, the over-sexualized. But then there is something funny about game producers or whatever where they just don't give a fuck and they still just do like the, the chick with the giant boobs and the tiny bikini <laughs> for because it doesn't matter, you know? Yeah, yeah. Can I ask you, have you ever played um, Larry Leisure Suite 3? It, yeah, like the Leisure Suit Larry games... I remember it was it was like a funny thing because I was a kid, right? So yeah. any kind of game that was like, hey, it's about some pervert who walks around looking at boobs or whatever. Like, <laughs> it shakes any chick there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you, I've never played through a Leisure Suit Larry game. Yeah, me neither, but, you know, I wonder. We used to have a Commodore. Like, my brother had a Commodore 64. Oh, same here with a Delta set. <laughs> yeah, and so there was some game bootlegs. I remember there was one called Samantha Fox strip poker oh really yeah and you play you play strip poker and then at the end you'd see like a naked picture of samantha fox no that's fantastic that sounds awesome well (laughs) but i was never good at poker so i i didn't i didn't understand the rules of poker so i never saw the the full picture when i tried to play it then there was a fucking amazing one of the funniest games i ever played in my life this would probably be less appealing to you but there was a game called stroker (laughs) where you you had the epix joystick and you just had to fucking jerk off It was just the dick on the screen. But the thing was, what I find so funny when I think about it now is I was so young when I played that game that I didn't understand fully what was happening. Because you had to jerk this dink by just moving the joystick up and down really fast. Oh my god, yeah. And then at the end, they would give you like a rating... And I, I didn't totally get the game because that was before my sort of sexual awakening. So I was just like, okay, like there's a dink and a hand. Like it was funny because there was a dink. Yeah. Like dinks are funny. So like, because I figured like with VR, you know, that would be like the boon for sex games, right? When you can put the helmet on. Yeah, totally. I guess it's sort of it's slightly different for a guy because like there's always this idea that you're going to be a guy who puts on a helmet and then puts some weird box over your dink that you put inside so that it, it'll vibrate as you're playing the game. <laughs> I think they yet have to invent it. <laughs> they should hire you for, you know. <laughs> well, I've got great ideas. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll go straight to the company and be like, listen, it's a box that you put your dink in. <laughs> listen, this is how it's done, yeah. right? <laughs> Yeah, you do that, man. You, you'll be fucking rich, man. With those kind of like visual novel games and things like that. Oh. But it's always like anime artwork, right? Uh, most of the time, yeah. That's right. See, they should do it like with the... I don't know, because whenever I see those things advertised, it's always like some like erotic adventure and I'll see, and it's always like anime girls, and they all look the same. Yeah. Uh, but that game I mentioned actually has a very special appeal because it's the setting is actually in the 80s and the story is actually quite deep as well. Mm. It's not just like, you know, some porn hentai 
Thai movie that you just go watch on the internet. And right. <laughs> it's very uh, in a, on a meaningful side, and the visuals are not too sexual either. They're more like sensual, I think, than sexual. So that's quite nice. That's a different change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm a guy, so I like to just get straight to the point. I have no time for <laughs> sensuality. Yeah, exactly. Bring me straight to hentai.com. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then is that pretty much all that uh, goes on in the gaming world then? You're just visual novels and dwarf drilling? Dwarf drilling, yes, pretty much. I don't really have much time for other games at the moment as much as I want to play video games. There's a lot of music stuff to be done and then obviously on the weekends I play with my friends just to chill and because I need the break obviously and then I'll play the Overwatch or something else whatever is multiplayer with them and you can have a good time couple beers your friends and you know hit and smash anything you want I think I honestly have to schedule it in. Mm. I get a lot of stress because I'm always in front of my computer, so I always feel like I'm working even if I'm just staring off into space. Yeah. And so it doesn't feel like proper leisure time. Okay, yeah. So I think I need to start scheduling like 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. is like (laughs) gaming hour, you know, where I... Schedule, yes. Because even when I play games, I still have this weird guilt. Like I have a guilt that I'm not working. I know, dude, we all have it, I think. But, you know, if you ignore it, it could lead to burnout, for sure. It's a weird feeling, because, like, I don't think previous generations had this. No, exactly. I feel like constantly I need to earn my gaming time, you know? Yes, exactly. Yes, earning. It's all about earning it. Yeah. Because I'm not a super physical guy, like, outside, like, running around and stuff. Because some of my fondest gaming memories were I went on a big, long walk. You know, like, I just I just walked for, like, 10 kilometers, and then I come home, and my legs are all, like, jelly, and I'm really <laughs> tired. And then I sit on the couch, and then I fucking boot up a game, and because I feel like I've earned it, yeah. it's such a satisfying experience, whereas when I don't earn it, I just sort of fall asleep on the chair, like I didn't deserve to be playing in the first place, and then... <laughs> <laughs> and I squander that time. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you don't look at you, you. I think you look very fit, actually. And that's coming from a lesbian right here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you do look handsome. You look quite fit. You know, I don't think you need to do much. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of you to say, but it's all smoke and mirrors. What? Are you saying you Photoshop them? <laughs> well, I stopped paying for Adobe products, but like <laughs> I do use a Photoshop equivalent. Yes. And as I get older, I've been using those uh, face masks. You know, like my wife has those face masks, you know, where you put the clay on your face. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I've been doing that and it's been fun. And I have no shame. Like when I take a, when I do the face mask and I wipe it off, it's like my skin looks like so much smoother. I'm like, oh, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. a good feeling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, look, we talked about it earlier, but let's go ahead and, and uh, dive into Kyoto Dreams, which was uh, your album that came out on Christmas, which is a, a cool sort of instrumental concept album. So I want to listen to this track which is called Bus to Okinawa. Ooh, good choice. And then we'll uh, we'll keep chatting. So this is uh, Bus to Okinawa by Laura Dre.
And that was Laura Dre with the track Bus to Okinawa. And I am here right now with Laura Dre. We just got done talking about video games. Now we're going to talk about Japan. Uh, who is Maria? I'm Maria Takikuchi. Yeah. Stu says, ask Laura about Maria. <laughs> <laughs> oh, has it gotten to this point now? <laughs> yes. Why has you asked me to ask you that? What po- could I possibly tell you about Maria? About sh- that she's my, except that she's my favorite Japanese city pop singer. Yeah. I mean, city pop. Have you listened to city pop at all? Do you, are you a fan or not? Yeah, I think it's all right. I know there's some people in the scene who've released some kind of like city pop style albums. I know this album that you've released has some some city pop vibes to it. Yes. And I cuz Stu is like ask her about Maria and so I typed in Maria and there was a, a an attractive <laughs> Japanese lady playing the piano. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's all there is to it. Empty silence, crickets. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, uh, Japan is, is quite awesome because I'm planning on going on tour there next year. If... Borders allow us in. Sure. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I think Outland wants to run another Outland Sin Festival over there or event. Cool. And that was it, yeah. How was the Toronto show, by the way? Great. Good? Yeah, it was like the best one we ever had here. Organized oh, nice. by... Some British folks and <laughs> Stu and like all these other people because we can't organize our own shit over here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the listeners might be bored of me saying this because now it's like fucking four years ago or whenever the hell it was. Oh, is it? Oh, wow. Well, because I COVID, um, COVID fucked everything up schedule wise. So whenever I think that something happened last year, what I mean is something happened three years ago. <laughs> COVID time has almost felt like deleted years. I know. Like, they don't feel like full proper years. And so, Stu and and Outland uh, managed to get an event going where people actually came from all over the place. Like, not just Toronto, but in the States as well. And so, you know, they filled like a 600 plus venue. Oh, nice. Like, so it was packed. Like, it was the biggest thing I've been to. And it was so hot that day. It was the hottest day in Toronto that year. Like, it was was insane. (laughs) It was like 40 plus Celsius. It might have even been like hotter like 41 or something like Damn. and it was hot inside and outside uh-huh. so there was no relief from the heat like if you stepped oh, outside it didn't feel any you think you'd step inside and go oh maybe there'll be some uh, air conditioning in here but <laughs> well, there was, was no air con no, well there was but there was so many people in the venue oh they were all sweating that, heat together i see <laughs> yeah it didn't matter it didn't matter so you were outside it was hot and humid inside was hot and humid um and that was that Mm, but it was a, but it was a good event is the point is what I'm okay. saying. Okay, I was going to say sweaty uh, sausage fest. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I, I know the synthwave scene is predominantly male. Like that is true. Yes, but there was a good number of ladies there. Ooh, you know, and who knows? Maybe they were dragged along by some guy. <laughs> But, you know, there, there are certain artists who do have that appeal that sort of uh, connect with the, with a female audience. Like, I don't want to talk on behalf of other audiences, but, like, no, for me, course. you know, I'm a dude. I'm nerd and film nerd and sci-fi and stuff. So, like, I like the instrumental synthwave stuff because it, it's a cool atmosphere and it reminds me of movies and mm-hmm. it's got a cinematic thing to it. But I appreciate, you know, my wife doesn't really connect with that music you know like when it's on like she doesn't give a shit but like you know if like mm-hmm. ollie Wright or jay diggs or someone is playing then she sort of gets interested because it sounds more like kind of mainstream you know yeah. quality pop music and so i think when those artists play they they can sort of um attract 
you know, like a, a more female audience uh, in that regard. But again, I don't like to talk like this because then it sounds like I know what women <laughs> think and I don't. So <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I actually been to Ollie White's concert just recently. But that was in England, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's why I thought you were in England, because I see this picture, because you were there with uh, Kal-El and... Uh... Yeah, she's super cool. My sister, new sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, how about this, though? Let's actually talk about this album here. So mm. what is the concept of Kyoto Dreams? Because, like, sort of in between every tracks, there's these sort of interludes, chapters, where there's, like, uh, like some Japanese sort of narration going on. Yep. I was listening to a preview, so when it said the description of the album, it was all in Japanese, and so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't <laughs> translate it. Like, I was like, should I translate this? But then this was a private link, and I didn't want to be copying and pasting stuff into Google. Oh, so. you can, actually. Yeah, it's just um, gives the listener some information that is not spoken on audio, basically, what the whole album is about. So it basically describes that the album consists of nine spoken dialogue tracks and 12 instrumentals. The things that I use, for example, like um, the Japanese instruments with retro synths. So a combination of that. And for the chapters, I use sound effects, um, mainly in the Japanese voice acting actors there. And yeah, it just forms the whole story about this woman who is in her mid-30s, who lacks of ambition and dreams. And now she's on a uh, journey to find a special something that helps her to feel alive again, you know? Are these samples of the voice actors from something, or were this made? was this made specifically for the album? This was made specifically for the album. So who is doing the voice acting, and who wrote the script, and all that stuff? So I wrote the whole story. I wrote it, like, literally on a daily basis, like, step-by-step step how I felt about it. And then I was sharing with my friends, and at the time it was only two Japanese voice actors, so they're both my friends. And they basically got involved, uh, other friends and cousins and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, suddenly it went from two voice actors to four, which was amazing. And they all had like different ideas to pitch for the story. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. You know, and they said, Laura, why don't you do this and that? And I incorporated their ideas as well. And now, you know, uh, one and a half months later, here we are with a full story. <laughs> so you trust them not to throw in some Japanese profanity in there? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I trust them enough. Yeah. I always think about that. Like if I was doing something, and then someone offered to translate it for me. Mm -hmm. And if I totally didn't understand the language that they were translating it to, I'm just paranoid enough that I would think, but what if they just said a whole paragraph of swear words? I would have no idea. Yeah, exactly. They could just say, Laura, your album fucking sucks. Yeah. I would know. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All the dialogue, like, what the fuck are we doing here? Yeah, I imagine. Uh, but uh, Japanese people are just genuinely super nice. Uh, and I I just can't believe that I got all this help and support from them, you know. Well, it sounds good. Like, that's yeah. the only reason why I asked, because I'm like, is this borrowed from, like, a movie or something? Because, like, the production's good. And so... <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I always have this weird... I don't know why. I'm always, like, surprised, you know, when, like, the production of something is good, mm -hmm. when I know it's just these, like, these indie producers and some that I'm, like, friends with. And so I'm always, like... I, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised anymore, but, you know, when, when something <laughs> sounds really good and I'm always like, oh, they must have got help from somewhere else or, like... <laughs> no, something I'm that, glad. You know, no, this album, actually, I um, mixed and mastered myself. 
instead of Robert because yeah that was just for me like a you know quick side project and Robert is quite busy right now anyway doing other things but yeah I just literally had something like two and a half months to make the album after I released the Kyoto Dreams album I was like okay I'm gonna make some kind of chill wave album except it didn't turn out really chill wave it turned out multiple genre wave whatever you know yeah <laughs> who cares who cares about yeah, who the waves so all that matters is the feeling you know exactly it's the whole listening experience to it you know and yeah I said to everyone, you know, this is completely different. This is a concept album and it's going to have some hip hop drums on it, you know, but fuck it, but because I fucking love it. So deal with it. <laughs> but yeah. Well, how about this? Go on. Let's listen to this track. This was, this might be my favorite one from the album. It was called Ooh. City Lights. Ooh, good choice. Which is a cool song and it's by Laura Dre. <laughs>
And that was Laura Dre with the track City Lights. And I'm here right now with Laura Dre. That's, of course, from the Kyoto Dreams album. What would you do? You know how um, on Bandcamp... You know, people will say, like, what their favorite songs are. Mm-hmm. Since we're recording this before the album is actually officially released. So, like, <laughs> what would you do if someone commented and said their favorite track was, like, track nine, chapter four? <laughs> I'd be like, lol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the joke being that those are just one of the narration tracks. It would just it would just be funny if that, like, someone just chose, like, just some random song to be the favorite one. And, like... Yeah, imagine <laughs> I'm still waiting for it. Yeah, that's actually not bad. (laughs) That's the thing. It's always interesting about uh, talking to an artist before the album is actually released, because obviously by the time we this episode airs, uh, this album will have been released, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what what other people choose as their favorites. Because maybe I say City Lights is mine, and then all of a sudden I get outvoted (laughs) by all the internet nerds who like all the other songs better. No, but you're the synthwave head, so people will probably. Agree with you on the same thing. <laughs> no, actually, it's weird. I always pick weird tracks. Oh, yeah? Because I love this kind of music, and, and so I like to focus on the tracks that I personally have like some sort of connection with. Mm, yes, of course. Which isn't always the most popular track on the album yep. by the majority, you know? So I don't know that I'm necessarily a voice for anybody. Yeah. No, but I totally get you. I feel the same about many albums where I pick something that I like that is not so popular, you know? Mm. So what does the future hold for Laura Dre? Oh my God, the future. I'm going to be a tennis star. I'm going to be, you know... Tennis? Doing dance choreography for Lady Gaga. No, I'm just kidding. Does any of that stuff actually interest you? No, not really. All boring stuff to me. Um, So the future... I have only planned touring for next year, to be fair, and releasing my second album, which I have no name for it, but it might be to Moving Spaces 2 or Synth Pop 2, whatever. Um, <laughs> I haven't really given it a lot of thought about it. The tracks need to be still cherry-picked, for sure. Sure. I've got so far 12 tracks written, and I'm sure it's going to be just narrowed down to the 10 best that we think should go on there. Now, this isn't something that's going to come out before summer, is it? That I actually don't know, to okay. be fair. Yeah. I always have this habit of I have people on the show and then they have a new album that drops like a week later mm. and then we don't ever talk about any of it oh, because no. we recorded the interview before the the thing. <laughs> so Oh, like, like like almost what happened with me too. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's cool. So I mean if this thing drops in like February then it's going to be another one of those situations where No, I don't think February. February would be too soon. I think uh, we need to give Robert a little bit more time to mix and master these the album and uh Yeah. Yeah give it some hype and promo and then I've got someone a designer who I really want to work with who is hopefully doing my uh, album cover which I don't know yet but her name her name is Tida Kitsungen she's a very good visual artist cool yeah I just hope she's gonna do the album design so I can be free of <laughs> doing it this time so that mean you have to go and uh, pose for some photos I don't know possibly I don't know. Whatever she needs, I'll do. She's just very good in doing these 80s style type of aesthetics and design. So I, I said to her, look, I just either you do my album artwork or I do it myself because I don't want anyone else doing my album artwork. That's kind of important to me. Do you have to do that stuff now, though, like for your Instagram and things? Are you the, doing like Photoshop and touch ups and stuff? Yeah, do you, I mean, everything, all the album designs I'm doing currently myself because I don't feel like anyone else could 
Well, I don't feel like a connection with anyone else other than this person that I just mentioned, you know? Right. That's the most German thing you've done so far. Other than this person who I have a connection with, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. I can say a lot more yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm Canadian, so I do A, so I get to end my sentences with A, and as a German, you get to end with yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, because Stu from Outland always says yeah as well, and he's South, uh, South African. Yeah, that's right. He's South African. Yeah, I love that accent, too. Uh, yeah, I say yeah as well again. Oh, you say yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's that very specific yeah at the end of a sentence. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> This is all very stupid, and I apologize. <laughs> we could be nine. Nine. You say nine, nine, nine. Nine! Scheiße! Yeah, exactly. That's all I know. That's the only German I know. Oh, you should play this game called Secret Hitler. You will learn a lot more. <laughs> Secret Hitler? Yeah, it's a card game free on the internet that you can just print out and play with ten of your mates. It's fucking fun, man. You sit around the table with your mates, and you have ten envelopes. Everyone picks an envelope, and one of them is a secret Hitler. So what do you do as secret Hitler? What does he do? I think you win as a secret Hitler if you can't be identified at a certain amount oh, of Oh, because you really have to be secret Hitler. Yeah, 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 exactly. I see. But it's super fun. I, I, All I can remember, I can't remember much of the game rules anymore, but it was super fun. It was hilarious. You should totally print it out and play with your mates, maybe after COVID. <laughs> I think I had heard about that game before and just assumed it was like another Cards Against Humanity. It's one of those things, I get why people find that game mm-hmm. fun and funny, but sometimes the forced comedy of like being like overly offensive, it's kind <laughs> of funny, but for me, sometimes I, get, I find it a little boring. Like where I just read like, oh, this card's funny because it's like some weird sex thing. And (laughs) I like to be surprised. That's what makes me laugh is when I'm surprised Uh -uh. by comedy. And when people (laughs) just show up and be like, you love this game because it's so dirty. I'm like, "Eh, fuck (laughs) off. Like... No, this game is all about, you know, trust. If you trust that person, whoever says what, you know, and, and kind of like a Game of Thrones board game, really. But it's not like if you're secret Hitler, like, is it like they're asking questions like that game, Guess Who? Like, hey, do you have a weird mustache? <laughs> and then you have to be like, yes. And like, he's secret Hitler. No, no, it's not like that. Mm. But you do ask questions and then they'll, they'll tell you, you know, and then you just decide whether that person is secret Hitler or not and then you can point your finger you know at them and be like yep you are the secret Hitler (laughs) (laughs) and if people vote for it that you know that person is a secret Hitler and you actually guessed right then you won Uh, other than that nope this sounds like a lot like my life because whenever people disagree with me I always accuse them of being a secret Hitler (laughs) so now this card game is just going to play nicely with just the way I am as a person yeah exactly you totally blend into that but look the point (laughs) (laughs) this is this is now me getting back on track here. So, Kyoto Dreams. Yes. <laughs> I didn't have anything to follow that with. I just <laughs> I was hoping if I said Kyoto Dreams that like some other sentence would come out of me. You got this cover art here of a train. Right. So, even though everything was all in Japanese characters, I'm assuming it's this lady returns. Is she returning to Kyoto? Is she going there for the first time? She's going there for the first time. She's on a mission, on an adventure, basically. Mm. Oh. Now, is she looking for a hot lady to lay down with, or what? <laughs> I would love to say yes, she is, but no, she isn't. She's looking for a special something, and this doesn't mean a specific type of lady. <laughs> mm. Well, that's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> it is a shame. I know, right? That's what I would do if I went to Kyoto. Just like, I gotta find some special lady to lay down with. Maybe one that, like, plays a piano or something. You've just given me an, a new idea, actually. Maybe I should make, like, a porn-based uh, <laughs> <laughs> story. 
I love any time I see a thing and someone says, you know, that's inspired me to do some porn. That's like... Yeah. Mm. And then, dude, I'm just going to do some porn jazz music, a fucking saxophone for the first time in it, you know? <laughs> Is that even a thing anymore, porn music? I don't know, dude. I mean, you sound like you're the expert on it, but... <laughs> <laughs> No, because I don't um, think, like, that was a product of, like, the 70s. and the, Yeah, but 70s porn was the best, probably. I never watched it, but I think so. <laughs> no, you can, uh, there's some companies that, like, up-convert the old, because they shot on film, so you can actually, right. like, get them in the, in high def. Right, wow. Yeah, but uh, I don't condone any of that stuff, because that's just for perverts, you know what I mean? Yeah. We here at Beyond Synth are very classy people, and I wouldn't oh. even know what this stuff is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, same here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm just um, uh, letting my imagination free free run where I'm thinking like, oh, this could like have some jazz music on it, some porn bass on it, you know? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That kind of stuff. Hey, well, listen, you're you're the expert here in the music production, so I, I trust in you that you can accomplish this very important goal. Oh, yeah. I, I'd love if people would say, oh, my God, Laura, your music sounds like porn to my ears. You could take that comment in different ways, though. Yeah. Because porn to your ears could just mean your music makes me excited not necessarily that the music yeah, exactly. reminds me of porn yeah or it could be both ways no pun intended but well, <laughs> <laughs> well look how about this we can probably wind down i want to listen to one more track go for it from the album this one's got some heavy city pop vibes going on it's a track mm. called waiting oh yeah which is a nice song and uh let's listen to that and then we'll uh we'll wind down with laura dre all right so this is waiting by laura dre
And that was Laura Dre with the track Waiting. And I am here right now with Laura Dre. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to talk about? No, I think we covered majority from police uh, to <laughs> secret Hitler, city pop porn, <laughs> whatever, you know. <laughs> porn games. I mean... <laughs> yeah. This has been a very interesting podcast. So Sorry. I, mean, I, uh, oh, I love it. I don't... Uh, <laughs> This is what happens. Again, I say this every week, but this is what happens when you don't do research, is you just end up taking the conversation in very weird directions, and uh, and I apologize. No, I love it. I gotta listen to uh, more of your stuff, though. <laughs> well, it's a very silly place, but the point is that uh, you make cool music. Uh, it's always nice to meet nice, uh, talented producers. Do you have any parting words? Any parting words? No, I'm very, literally, so unprepared. But I wanted to thank all your listeners, uh, first of all, and also all my supporters who've been supporting me all this time, um, especially with Kyoto Dreams as well, since it's like slightly out of the genre. But thank you very much for all your support and loving my stuff. I really appreciate it. If you do some live stuff yes if Stu organized some Laura Dre gigs are you going to have a band oh yeah dude of course I'm gonna have two I wanted to say chicks on board but I'm not sure if it's gonna be chicks <laughs> but I definitely want to have a, a drummer and uh, someone who plays keyboard so I can focus on singing and just jumping around not 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 as much as Ollie right but yeah you know. <laughs> that guy's got a lot of energy. Oh, yeah, he's a freaking energy ball. Whenever I see his performance, I'm just like, holy fuck, I probably would have got winded after a minute of what he does. Like, I would be tired. Oh, I'd have yeah. just collapsed to my knees, like, just breathing heavily after <laughs> one minute of that. <laughs> I forgot to ask him what he's actually on, you know? <laughs> I'm assuming cocaine, but I mean, I guess there's other things, right? Life. Ah, definitely. Yeah, so that's fun. So then, is that something that you'll just do at the last minute? Like, once you, if you guys figure out that a live show is something that's in the cards you're gonna then assemble a band or you is that something you're starting to think about now no i can just easily do it because i'm just gonna hire session musicians okay they will learn it pretty quickly the task is more finding actually a venue and the dates sorting out the dates and stuff you know and make sure that hopefully corona is not interfering with our plans <laughs> right yeah 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 oh. well i wish you all the best in that endeavor thank you very much andy thank you so much do you want to find fellow german musicians or are you just going to try and cast people who are local to wherever you end up performing i'm like oh please god no john no german musicians no <laughs> hell no <laughs> is that a thing i, I am know. german but this doesn't mean i want to have germans ideally someone probably people from london or whoever's local you know if i'm touring through greece or japan whatever i'm also happy to take locals as long we can all communicate and it's fine well that sounds very exciting to me <laughs> yes i'm very excited <laughs> as well <laughs> Well, look, listen, it was lovely to meet you, Laura Dre. And you. Thank you very much for having me here. Yeah, and, and keep on making cool music. I will. And uh, we'll play it on the show. 
next week when the album comes out. Yep, great. You have a lovely German evening. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. You have a very Canadian one, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try. I'm going to just douse myself in maple syrup and see what happens. Yeah, I was going to ask what do Canadians do in the evening? To be honest with you, I'm not, I mean, I, I do obviously have like a, a bit of a Canadian accent, but I'm not a very stereotypical Canadian guy. Oh, right. Because <laughs> I, I don't really give a shit about hockey and... Okay, so no maple syrup. Like maple syrup is fine, but I pretty much just eat it on pancakes. <laughs> You don't need to put it on your chicken and roast beef. Yeah, like I don't do any of that. All right. You know, beavers are okay. (laughs) I'm talking about the animal now. Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And uh, moose. We got moose. Oh, okay. Whatever. What is this? I never tried moose before, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think I already got put off meat when I had uh, veal ones. It's like that. Are you a vegetarian? Uh, Not really, but um, yeah, I just... Uh, don't have too much meat anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't need much, apparently. Yeah, just like occasionally. To, yeah, for even the people who are like sort of meat advocates, you know, you don't actually need a giant steak. You just need like a little ball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a way to end this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> are you vegetarian? Are you vegan? <laughs> and that's the end of Beyond Sin. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Oh, most of my conversations end this way with just me drilling the guest on what they like to eat. Oh. Like it's a very appropriate way to end a show. <laughs> okay. Well, I like burgers. Me too. Burgers are the best. That's my favorite We're going to have to have burgers, Andy, once I visit uh, Toronto. That would be sure. fantastic. I can be your first lesbian date, you know. Who says you'd be my first? Oh, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> what? You got multiple ones. Introduce me. <laughs> <laughs> got a whole cadre of lesbians over here, man, just waiting. Just kidding. <laughs> no, but that'd be fun. I, I I love burgers. That's like my favorite thing. Yeah. And lesbians. Awesome. So if there's any way I can always combine those two things... Okay, Andy, I got to tell you, you're going to be my second favorite lesbian because my first favorite lesbian is Stu. <laughs> I, know, I don't know if I'd make a good lesbian. I mean, I guess, I mean, I, I got the, uh, like, I like ladies part covered. Yeah. I'm always curious, actually, as to um, what lesbians want from a partner. Mm-hmm. I can't tell if they're more interested in just actually finding a person who they connect with or if lesbians are actually interested in, like, just full-on statuesque hot ladies with, like, big tits. Both. <laughs> 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 Dream destroyed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that is a perfect question to end this conversation. So, uh, Laura Dre, you have a lovely night, and we will uh, we will talk again. And maybe you can and come you, back Andy. on the show when you uh, release Moving Spaces Two. Sounds good. I look forward to it, Andy. You have a good one. Hey, right, take care. All right, good night. Bye bye. <laughs> And that was my conversation with Laura Dre. We had some fun. Did my voice just do a weird thing there? Laura Dre. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed that. Tune in next time to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. I think next week's will be a family show, so we can continue our look into the number one hits of the 1990s. We have to do 1994 next. And I think I actually liked 1994 slightly more than 1993, which isn't saying much because I didn't like 1993 at all. So anyway, that's next week, all right? So tune in next week for that. And in the meantime, I hope you all have a lovely week. Keep on being cool. And thank you so much for listening and thank you for supporting the show. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, talk to you next time on Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Thanks for listening. This was Beyond Synth.
Beyond Synth is made possible by the supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a supporter at patreon.com slash beyondsynth or donating via PayPal at beyondsynth.com. If you want to submit music to the show, please email beyondsynthsubmissions at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to Beyond Synth on YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook. May the Force be with you.